0: Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. UC Berkeley is teaming up with the Kindness Campaign to launch the Children's Emotional Health Needs Survey 2021. This short but detailed survey is intended to gauge the general emotional health of youth coming out of COVID. The survey is anonymous, and the data that the Kindness Campaign receives from the survey will directly inform their emotional health curriculum and programming for children. They would love to hear from you to maximize their impact on building emotional health of kids everywhere. Take the survey at Tinyurl.com slash TKC parents. That's tinyurl.com slash TKC. Welcome, warriors. We are continuing our series on femininity. This is episode 54, but it's also episode three in our series. Today we're asking Is sensitivity, intuition, and femininity your superpower? My guest today believes that more often than not, the answer is yes. Can you bring sensitivity into business, into the office? What does that even look like? We're gonna deep dive today into why going through the pandemic has led to more flexibility, innovation, and sensitivity in our brands and businesses, and how to tap into that part of yourself that you may be trying to silence. Our fan of the week this week is Daphne Subar. Daphne says, This podcast is great. I'm always learning something and I'm smiling while listening. Liz's energy is contagious and her guests always have interesting stories and insights. Each time I listen to an episode, I leave with more knowledge and information and I can't wait until she releases another one. I highly recommend this podcast to everyone. Thank you so much, Daphne. Okay, Warrior Women, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and leave us a fabulous review if you want to be fan of the week. Gas money, groceries, power bills, mortgage payments, imagine having all of that and battling cancer. The cancer cartel was founded by three fabulous women, all cancer survivors who you met in episode 27, with the important mission to provide financial resources and relief to those fighting cancer. Those in the fight against cancer should be able to focus 100% on getting well, not on how much cancer is costing them. The Cancer Cartel funds their mission by accepting donations of any amount. I'm a monthly donor. And by collecting and selling donated luxury designer handbags, shoes, jewelry, clothing, and accessories on their website and at events. The Cancer Cartel also has branded clothing, which donates 100% of the profit back to their initiative. Cancer is expensive. Help and donate today. Go to Cancer Cartel. Dot com. That's Cancer, dot com. My guest today is Amy Stanton. I met Amy years ago and thought she was a dynamic powerhouse. Years later, we have reconnected on the craziest text chain known to man, but I love it. And I asked her to join us today. Amy founded Stanton & Company with a passion for promoting and building positive female role models and messaging for women. Since 2006, when the company opened its doors, SNC Co has built a roster of philosophy and brands, including exceptional athletes, lifestyle experts, and brands in a healthy, active living space. Oh my God, Amy, I'm so excited to talk to you. We've already had a little talk offline before. Welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you, Liz. Great to be here. Thanks I mean, for having me. It's, it's COVID, there are burglaries happening. There are, there are neighborhood watches that need to begin. Oh, we, we have so much going on, Amy. I can't even take it. Okay. We're going to go to the beginning though, Amy, because I need to know you deeply. This is serious. I need to know <laughs> about you growing up and what you thought you would be. Did you think you would be <laughs> working with female athletes and trying to encourage women to be warriors?
1: Did you think that, Amy? I certainly did not think that, Liz. I had no idea, as a matter of fact. The one thing I did think is that there I was destined to start my own business because everybody in my family is was an entrepreneur. And so I was surrounded by people showing me how it's done. And I always felt that starting a business was totally doable. Not easy, by the way, but definitely doable. I just knew that I was
0: born to be an entrepreneur. That That is a great thing to know, by the way, because I think... If, if your parents are in the corporate world, like I think whatever your parents do, you seem like you're going to kind of maybe do that. If you have a lot of examples of entrepreneurship, I mean, way to go early on that. Because I think everybody comes to that later after they've been choked by the corporate system. Then they're like, now I'm going to start my own business. Thank God you started off early and knew what was the right path. Well, I was choked by the corporate system too.
1: So don't worry about that. I got it all. But the fact is in the back of my mind, I always knew it was a means to an end and that these other jobs were great training and experience, but eventually I'd be doing my own thing. So, and the other thing that I think is positive about being surrounded by entrepreneurs is that I was clear that it's hard. Because I think people feel like, oh, I'll just start a business and it must be much easier because you're in charge. By the way, being in charge is sometimes the curse of death. There are aspects of it that are great, but there are many days I wake up wishing someone would be in charge of me.
0: A hundred percent. I have to tell you the first time I was running a huge business for myself and it was not just me and I was having trouble making payroll. Oh, oh, wait a minute. All these people are depending on me to pay their rent. Oh my god! Like that is, I mean, there there are some scary things about entrepreneurship. I still would never do it any other way, and I love it. That's my thing. I'm like you, but there are that is, there are hard realities of of entrepreneurship that are frightening. Yeah. Many, many, many. Happy to discuss more or not. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're gonna move on to the most exciting. Uh, not hopefully a corporate choker. I had no idea that before founding your company, Stanton Company, you served as the first ever chief marketing officer for Martha Stewart Living. I need to go deep diving into this with you, and you need to tell me everything, Amy Stanton. You owe me this. I need this today. You got to tell me.
1: Well, I was there for under a year, so it's not the longest of our stories. However first of all, when I interviewed with Martha, she was just returning from jail. So she was still wearing her ankle bracelet. And I made the mistake during the interview, which in hindsight, I'm not sure was a mistake of saying, she asked me, I think, cause it was on my resume, which makes me laugh in hindsight. It's such a Californian. I must've mentioned yoga on my resume. And she said, where do you do yoga? And I, I said at Mukti, which is where I, the studio I used to take yoga in New York. And, and I said, how about you? And this was literally one week after she was exposed for trying to go to a yoga class with her daughter, Alexis, and got an extended house arrest. I forgot for all reason. about
0: that. I forgot well, all about you that. You know
1: what? This just shows you how I was not this crazy Martha fan. I mean, I, I had enormous respect for her, but I was never one of those people that was studying her every move. And I I had probably never even read the magazine or watched the television show or used any of her products before I was working with her. But I have to say, she's magical and inspiring and incredible in so many ways. And such a true visionary, because I now, I say this, I've never heard anyone else say this, so I can credit myself with this. I believe she was the first person to contemplate this Omnimedia concept, which is by the way, how every company functions now, because every company is essentially a multimedia, different platforms feeding other platforms. Martha was the first. And it, you know, on so many levels, I I feel like she doesn't get enough credit, but, but what I, I don't
0: think she does either. I didn't her. know that. I mean, shouldn't she be like on every business panel being like, bitch, watch out. I am the original <laughs> media queen. I don't understand. She, she has not taken that crown. She's taken some other crowns. No. You know, she has a lot going on that,
1: Martha. And I will say one of the things that's fun is she's always reinventing herself and she definitely doesn't seem like she's stopping anytime soon. What was most inspiring to me on a personal level was being around her. You learned about true curiosity. I went to... Costco with Martha, it was the first time she'd ever been to a Costco. We went to the original Costco in Washington. Okay. Because we were doing this, we're on a book tour. And so we stop at the original Costco. She had never been to a Costco and walking through Costco with her everything she studied everything and the cheeses and the meats and the everything was amazing to her and it just made me realize how we all should be walking through life like that where we're looking more closely at things we're interested and curious about things we're asking questions we're not just taking it all at face value so i brought a lot of martha with me after we worked together and i still think the world of her
0: i first of all i wish someone I wish Jesus, eight pound baby Jesus, that someone had filmed this experience because I would have uh, paid for that. You and me both, actually. I, mean, I, I would have paid have money, pay per view. That. I would have pay per viewed that to watch or walk through a Costco for the first time. That would have meant everything to me. Secondly, you're so right. Curiosity, especially in this time where we're seeking, you know, inspiration and we're trying to kind of keep ourselves going, and and we're going to get into that with you because I think you're such a great innovator and creator. But to, that's that's sort of the seed of it right is staying curious and being able to also let yourself deep dive not be multitasking your butt around everywhere but to be really fully immersed in something so that you can feel it and 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 be in it like and i think that's what you saw right and i think that's what she cultivated she's in her garden and she's growing these great things. And she says, look at this beautiful head of cabbage. And you're like, yes, look at that beautiful head of cabbage, Martha. I love you. I mean, because she would get deep into things. She was curious, and but she was a deep diver into her sensibilities. And I think that's something we all could take a huge page on. We all could.
1: Yes. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you on that.
0: All right. So you have said that building and running a business for 14 years is your ultimate test of resilience. I agree. Um, tell me about some of your sort of career high points, low points, I don't know, lessons you can kind of give other people who are maybe just starting a business or are so sick of their own business that they're like, Jesus, Amy, inspire me. Give me some highs and lows. Wow. Okay. Okay. Highs
1: and lows. I mean, there's no way to tell any story without including the highs and lows because that's what life is. But I started in advertising. I then ran the marketing and PR for New York's Olympic bid. And that was such a major moment for me because it opened my eyes to the power of doing something that felt important and felt like it had an impact. And at the time, which was right after 9-11, the Olympic bid represented hope for New York City. So it was the one positive thing that was happening. And of course, not everybody thought it was a great idea to bring the Olympics to New York and ultimately London won, but it was magical. It turned New York City into a playground. It brought together all the people that really are lifelong New Yorkers and believe so wholeheartedly in that city to do everything possible to bring the Olympics to the ultimate stage of New York. And I think someday it still will happen. Just wasn't our time. But that was incredible. And really coming out of that, I... I was exhausted to say the least, but I also felt so inspired by the possibilities for my career. I had no idea what would be next. I had some great opportunities. One of which was to be the first ever CMO of Martha Stewart. My dear friend Rick Boyko was on the board of Martha, and that's how that came together um, because he recommended me for the job. And I fell in love with Martha, and it was in many ways really incredible. And then the truth is I've always wanted to start my own business. So I had this idea coming out of the Olympic Bay because I'd worked with a bunch of female athletes during that time and male athletes, but Olympic athletes who are often not only the best in the world at what they do, but they're also nice people and they're earnest and they want to make an impact in the world and they're good students and they're family oriented and they're just all goodness. And I, I, And part of it stems from the fact that they're definitely not competing in Olympic sports because they want to make a lot of money. If if they're very fortunate and they work and they compete in one of the big sports like track and field or gymnastics or maybe beach volleyball or swimming, you know, there are very few sports that get worldwide attention beyond the Olympics, even during the Olympics. So I I sort of fell in love with this idea of helping elevate some important voices that had these inspiring stories. And I could see nobody was focused on women's sports and female athletes. And everyone said, Amy, you're crazy. There's no money in women's sports. That just made me want to do it more. So I started actually a business partner and she had representation experience. I never wanted to be any sort of agent because I grew up in Los Angeles thinking that was a bad word. Suddenly I was a sports agent, but we were trying to build basically a mini IMG, but focused on the women's side. So representation, consulting, events, content development, PR, everything under one roof. With synergies between these areas, their representation took off. Suddenly I'm representing the top female snowboarder in the world. I had never seen snowboarding live until I was already representing her. Um, Was able to, because she was really the full package Gretchen Blyler, I was able to do a lot of incredible things with her. And it opened my eyes to this broader opportunity around building personal brands, which, you know, I guess in some ways working as the CMO of Martha Stewart, I had some sense of what that was about, but but now I was really doing this for individuals. And then After the first couple of years, my business partner and I felt it was best to go our separate ways. And we were sort of redundant in many ways. We had our respective clients, there were some synergies. But you know, one of the things I really learned from that experience is that if I ever had a business partner again, I would say it's, and I've heard this, of course, a million times since then. It makes sense to have a partner that really brings a different skill set to the table. So in my case, that could be someone. That's a finance person or an operations person. And I could then be the creative person and the marketing person, which are the areas I really love to focus. Um, so that's a lesson. Um, I definitely was traumatized splitting up with my business partner because there was a part of me that was, uncertain about what it would be like running a business alone. You know, you just I I didn't know what to expect. After you're having someone that you can celebrate and commiserate with, it's yes, yeah, you know, a little bit horrifying the idea of them being on your own. But the lesson there was after all was said and done, you're never on your own. And I was still surrounded by all these incredible mentors and people from my past that I could tap into and In a way, it was such a good reminder of, first of all, that we are totally capable, but also that we are always supported and that people really are happy to be asked for help. You know, I know I'm not happy to be asked for help. I, whenever people seek mentorship advice or whatever, I mean, you name it, I'm there. So, I'm paying it forward, probably largely because I was taught (laughs) that that's the way to live, you know, but thank God for that. Mm -hmm. And I really, I mean, I will say it's such an important lesson just to know you really always have, sure. It's about being resourceful and always thinking about the people that might have answers to these various questions, but I now have this incredible network of folks. I'm never alone. Know and I've thought about having a business partner at some point. My one of my employees, Dinej, has been with me for 12 years and she's just close to a business partner and by far my longest relationship. But she is really, um, in many ways, my sounding board and she's the person I can commiserate or celebrate with. And I feel that way about my whole team, honestly. So um, now the agency after the first couple of years evolved to be more focused in the broader healthy active living space. So not just women, sports and female athletes, the, that's still a key piece of it. And we still represent some incredible female athletes, but really just this contextualized women and sports, because yeah. for most women, the way they process sports, and this is not a generalization, there are many hardcore sports fans that are women that love the stats, but lots of women respond to the stories. Oh, and, no, it's the well,
0: emotion. It's the emotion and the backstory. Yeah. That's all I want to know.
1: Yeah. Well, the, and that's how I connect with sports, truthfully. So lifestyle, stories, etc. So now really we're in this healthy, active living space. So we represent a bunch of brands and also individuals, Many of the brands are built by women, targeted to women. Many of the individuals are women, lots of experts in, in all things health and wellness. So we're yes, working with yes. some of the leading doctors in the world. And it's super cool because it's stuff that I personally am so curious about, going back to that curiosity um, but also I feel like by supporting them, we're actually making the world a healthier place. And there's really, in my opinion, very, there are very few things that are more important than that. Yeah. So still doing lots in the women's space, which I feel in many ways was my calling. I'm not entirely sure. It's so funny because I don't think we choose, you know, I think we are like, somehow we are here to do whatever we're here to do. And then it, it, it unfolds before our eyes. And yeah. so. This is kind of how I got to this point. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm still evolving. Like I, as I mentioned earlier, I really love the creative side of things. And one of the challenges of running a business, without question, is that you start that business doing the things you love. And then as it grows and scales, you're doing more of the operational stuff and the HR stuff and worrying about, as you said, making payroll and all the stuff, you know,
0: I want to tell you, I think that whole evolution thing is, is really real. And I think, you know, I think sometimes when we're in a career for more than a hot minute, right. We can kind of get frustrated and we say, is this really, is this all there is? Is I don't know. Should I do something else? You know, but I think it is the evolution of that and letting yourself have those curiosities and changes that keeps it fresh for you. Uh, and for me and like discovering it's, it's, it's an, it's a crazy thing, even like having a podcast. And I was like, well, I'm going to create a season two and on season two, I'm going to do this. And suddenly I'm like excited again. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to pick a word and I'm going to focus on that word. Like all these things were kind of coming to me like, Oh, this is how I am creatively expressing myself. Mm -hmm. I think women sometimes get in, get into the mire, get into the like, oh, well, let me email the person, let me do the thing, all the boring stuff. You got to let yourself have those kind of creative evolutions and still find the good in it for yourself. Like, it's good to be selfish in your business and say, well, what parts of this do I really love? And let me explore that. It is so true. Because to be honest with you, that's what makes
1: us sustainable. If we are not fed creatively, if that's what we need, then we're not going to keep doing this. Everybody has to complain. You know, this is okay. Like we all have to vent that's human. But the reality is we are choosing every single day. We are choosing, I'm choosing to run this company. So any days when I'm feeling a little bit aggravated by anything, I'm like, okay, well, it's my choice. You know, I can choose not to, or I can choose not to work with that client or that employee, or these are all, and this is one of the benefits of running my own business is I do have more authority in that respect. Right. But, you know, I think that whether you're running your own business or not, it is so important to remember that every morning you're waking up and making a series of choices, which is determining the flow of your life. And so at any moment in time, you can make a different choice. A
0: hundred percent. Yes. Yes. Yes, and you know what? That's something we need to remember, especially in these times, because I feel like some people right now are feeling their choices are a little limited. And I, I, I don't buy into scarcity, and I don't buy into that at all. So I'm not, I'm not going on that one. Um, you co-authored the Feminine Revolution with Catherine Connors, which is so wild because I know her. So this is like the wildest thing. Now I'm going to have to call her and get her on the podcast. Um, challenging the idea that femininity is weak and encouraging women to redefine and embrace their feminine qualities as sources of power. Tell me why you felt compelled to write this book.
1: Well, the truth is it was just, it was all part of my personal journey. I had actually at this point now we'd launched a number of books for different authors. And so I think there was in the back of my mind, an ease to doing it myself, which it sounds ridiculous. I think, I mean, even in hindsight, I do think it's ridiculous, but I was struck by lightning one day. I don't know how else to put it. I really felt like, you know what? I am dealing with something right now. And it is a topic that nobody has talked about with all these conversations going on around feminism and female empowerment and equal opportunity, equal rights, all super important. But nobody was talking about this other F word, femininity. And so I wondered why that was. And I had watched myself I, you know, I've done a lot of work. Let's put it that way. I'd watched myself evolve throughout my career into this tougher, more assertive, yes, feminine fears. All these ways in which I developed in my big corporate life to be tougher and more assertive and less sensitive and less emotional and not not a crier. All these things those served me in so many ways, but I, I realized I had also hardened a bit, you know, I had built this armor and that the truth is anyone who knows me knows I am total mush. And so I wondered if the reason that I hadn't met Prince Charming was because I was bringing this tougher bossy Amy into my personal relationships And this caused me to begin this exploration. So I started talking to a bunch of people about it, you know, really wondering like, what do we think about femininity and these feminine qualities? And interestingly, everybody had their own story of it, of how they weren't necessarily feeling like they could show up in a fully authentic way, which is ultimately what the book is about. And what my mission was about. And honestly, probably more broadly, my mission in life is about helping people show up in an authentic way and creating platforms for people to do that. But yeah. in the end, this I felt held back, again, by myself and needed to unlock some stuff. And so in the conversations, it was clear. So many people had different experiences. So many people defined, everyone defines femininity in a unique way. And that's a great thing. We're all a balance of masculine and feminine. That is also a great thing. Yes. And that societally we've, we've, coded these concepts as feminine and weak without even realizing it. So yeah. young yeah. girls are growing up being told they're being too sensitive and and not even knowing what to do with that information. But then the reality, and I can say that happened to me. You know, when I grew up as a young girl, I was sensitive. I am sensitive. And, you know, my mom would tell me I was sensitive. I didn't really think much about it. Then in the workplace, people telling me, you can't be sensitive, you oh, can't me take too. things personally. Me too. Oh, yeah. And the fact is, like, I'm, I'm, a, I am, and I'm a crier. And, uh, and so ultimately, I really started like shutting these parts of myself off in a way that I felt like I had to. But then now with a different lens, I realize it's my sensitivity that allows me to sit in a client meeting and sense how a client's feeling or sense that what they're saying is not exactly what they mean or walk into the office. I can't wait till I can do that again and see that an employee is not quite right and I can sense that something's up and then I can address it. So yes. in the end, my sensitivity is a superpower. Not it's only a is it not power, yes,
0: yes, it is yes. a superpower. Yes, and we need yes. to get that word out because it's very true. I'm the same way. I grew up with a father who said, "Stop crying, or I'll give you something to cry about," which is really awesome. Oh, no. um, so I definitely grew up with that too. And I'm one of those people. I watch a commercial. I just watched Friends last night, and Monica, you know, was proposing to Chandler. I've seen this friggin' episode 19 times. My kids have discovered Friends. I'm crying like a baby. I mean, I can't take it. I cry over everything, and I and I am very tough, and I go through the world like a warrior. But I am also a mush mush too. And you're right; you can easily shut down that whole side of yourself because you know what? It doesn't always serve you as well. Like when you're going through the, the world like a badass, you know what? Guess what? You you're kind of safe. But it's in the sensitive things, like that's where I connect with people. That's when I can be a really good friend to somebody because they're telling me something because they feel I'm sensitive enough to receive it. You know, even with my husband, I was like kind of a bossy bitch and he told me, he was like, you're kind of mean. And I was like, oh, dear Lord, damn. And I have, and still to this day, he'll tell me sometimes, like, you're mean right now. I'm like, oh my God. So I really have to learn to soften up with him. And he's much softer than me. And so I have to really like dial it the hell back. So that is a real thing to have that balance and to know that sensitivity is a superpower. I agree. Yes. It's
1: so true. And it's exactly what you said. It's about balance. It's about figuring out where it's serving you and allowing it to shine through in those contexts. And I think, you know, just as devil's advocate, I actually think it serves us more of the time than it doesn't. First of all, if we just show up as ourselves, we are always going to be better. And happier. Period. Yeah. So I mean, you think about all the instances in which we we witness others struggling to show up as themselves. You know, you can feel when someone's holding something back or yeah. when they're they're expressing, but they're uncomfortable about it. So so much of it is about actually recalibrating to allow to get rid of some of these messages we're telling ourselves. As women, in particular, we certainly spend a lot of time beating ourselves up. So, what if we could stop beating ourselves up for things that are totally natural to us? And what if instead we could reframe it so that not only are we creating space for ourselves to show up that way, but we're doing that for those around us? So, and another one is a great one is intuition, right? Which maybe hasn't been taken so seriously in the workplace. I mean, granted, in Los Angeles, intuition has always been taken I was just very seriously. Say, please, we live this here. Exactly. We're all about intuition. But The fact is, it's not about sitting in the board meeting and saying, I'm just going to trust my gut on this, but what if someone has a proven track record of making the right decisions based on the facts, and that person presents a wise case for why a decision should be made, and then they say, and my gut tells me X, Y, Z. The truth is, the two go hand in hand, and I have, one of the things I think a lot about with all of this is, how do we cultivate this for those around us and for our loved ones for our employees. And one of the women that works for me does a lot of negotiation and she'll always, you know, certainly over the years, she's a million times asked me the question, like, what's the right number? What's the right number? What's the right number now for years, actually, because we've been working together for 12 years. I say what you tell me, what does your gut tell you? Yeah. What's your feminine intuition? Yes. Exactly. What nine out of 10 times her numbers are almost the same as mine, if not exactly the same. So, yeah. so we just, we, it's about cultivating a trust of that intuition. And it's also about creating an environment where that kind of language isn't dismissed as woo or irresponsible. And you can, I'm not, everything is in moderation. You know, I'm not suggesting like I, I can actually make a case for why crying is powerful. People are always
0: surprised by that. I'm not saying go cry every single day at the office. Right. I'm saying, but, but, it's, but that there's a place for it, that it can yeah. happen. It doesn't have to be a terrible thing. Yes. Exactly. I agree. Tell me something. Right now, I feel like innovators, and you are a big you are a big innovator in my book. It's the innovators that are winning the game right now. Because businesses that are attuned to the changes that are we're going through right now are really thriving. They're realizing, like, let me pay attention to what people are really needing right now and let me go with that. Um, how do we become great innovators in our business and in our, in our personal lives? I think it's such a great question and you're so right.
1: I mean, innovation means so many things these days. Innovation is, yes, how do we create something new? But it's also how do we look at something in a new way? How do we pivot when there's a pandemic? How do we change the way we're managing our team because something's not working? Like the innovation is big and small. And I think sometimes people hear that word and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not innovating. I've been running the same business for X number of years or I've been doing things the same way for so long. I think it's about constant state of awareness Mm. and it's about looking, you know, and curiosity, which we've already talked quite a bit about, but it's about constantly looking at yourself and your environment and what's working, what's not, and, and paying close attention to those things and coming at it from a curious perspective, not a, Oh, another thing I have to deal with. But, you know, I mean, humans are so fascinating Right. So what if let's say we're talking about innovation and in how you run your company, I had a certain way of doing things. I grew up in big ad agencies. Right. Like very clear, strict, kind of disciplined corporate culture. And, and in many ways that was really cool because it taught me the ropes, but it also created space for creativity. It was almost like the discipline, cre- I just wrote an article about this actually. So it's on my mind, but created a room for people to be creative because there was a clear process in place that allowed for that. Right. Then you know that was New York, so there's a certain <laughs> yeah, there. yes. coming to LA. I was like, oh my god! And I grew up here, so I shouldn't have been as shocked, but I was. I was like, wow! I mean, this is a whole different ball game. People don't bring the same, <laughs> the same perspective to work, and not to say again that's a generalization.
0: People have strong work ethic. People care about their jobs, no, etc. But it's strict and it's not as rule based, and is it's different. Exactly. Here. People have more room for flexibility for different ways of doing things, for throwing it all out and starting over. I feel like that is something that, that is kind of okay here in California. Like you can just walk in a room and say, I know I've been at Google for 10 years, but I'm going to be a yoga teacher now. And out here people are like, what for you? Yeah, so On the East are supposed are like, are you fucking crazy? Yeah. What is wrong with you? You know, so true. I think here we're like, dude, amazing. You're going to be a yoga teacher. You're going to be great. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. know, encouraging. <laughs> it's a little bit of a culture shock for
1: someone who comes in thinking there are rules, you know, and also thinking, oh, I'm going to implement some of the things that work there here and realizing it's literally an entirely new game. Yeah so that combined with generational differences and you know we, everyone talks about millennials but it's millennials and beyond now have a different way of looking at the world and they have and work plays a different role in their lives and they want to think differently about how they show up in the workplace and it and that's all okay it's just an adjustment it requires innovation i have had to just <laughs> keep myself in check. And this goes back to the awareness point. It's like, I am, I have to constantly figure out what things that are going to be the most critical in terms of the way this business is run. And where is there space for us just to make changes? Like I interviewed someone, I don't even know if I interviewed her. I think maybe someone on my team interviewed her. I got this feedback. She's like, oh, I could not work there because you have office hours and that I don't work my current company doesn't have office hours. I was like, wait, wait, on, um, on, when you Google a company, it tells you there are office hours. I'm pretty sure that's a standard thing for all oh my companies. Oh, God. But, that's hilarious. Um, it is really shocking. And you know what? The next day, I'm like, guys, we do not have office hours anymore. <laughs> we are going to, we are expected to work from approximately 9 a.m. to approximately 6 p.m., but because we work in the service industry, and we are, we are client-focused. We are obviously working many more hours than that. We are always available. However, you can determine when you actually step foot into the office. And if you want to shift things around that work a little bit better for your schedule, great. Now, the reality is I do still have the expectation that they're going to be there during those hours at least again, times have changed now because we are now all on zoom. So it's not even like we're, I mean, office, I still have a beautiful office. We moved during the pandemic, which was chaos. But, um, the fact is, I think in a way the, the pandemic has forced me to become even more flexible and innovative and open and, and all good things, which I look forward to seeing how that translates. Once we're back in action, I feel truthfully like, humanity is at the heart of the change you know i
0: t- i so agree with that i feel like the innovation is humanity it yeah. is realizing that there are there's a human being on the other side of that tv on the other side of that zoom that phone that text chain That there's a human there with a heart, feels things. And now you have to really face that. I think before it was just all this faceless stuff and even meetings in person. We just didn't even register the other person across from us. And now the humanity of things. And we're so grateful for heart driven, caring, uh, emotional people because we all feel emotional in this time. Even people who are hard as a damn rock have had a breakdown during this time, during the pol- political season, during the pandemic, losing people. I mean, just in every single way, I think it's softened us up and made us realize, you know, humanity is not a bad thing. Being soft isn't a bad thing, you it's know, so- and, and listening to other people is not a bad thing.
1: And I believe, not to bring it all back, but this is what the feminine revolution is all about. Yeah. And, and really, it, the wind in the grand scheme of things with the feminine revolution is a redefinition of power in a way that's more balanced. And that's not just within ourselves, you know, accepting sensitivity and assertiveness, both as powerful in ourselves, but it's also... A reframe of corporate leadership, a reframe of political leadership that creates space for a softer, gentler, more graceful way of leading and being. Yes. In conjunction with the assertiveness and some of the yes. other qualities that we yes, see. Yes, yes. So.
0: Uh, yes, amen. Chorus for you. Yes. Tell me what is next for you. What exciting projects are you working on? I need to know because you're always doing exciting things. And by the way, I just made fun of her before we started because she is now the queen of Clubhouse. If you have not followed Amy Stanton on Clubhouse, then you don't know what's happening.
1: I remember people were telling me about Clubhouse for months before I actually went on. And I I am obsessed. I'm not going to deny it. And I think there are a few different reasons for that. One is... I've obviously been cooped up here with, <laughs> yes. with Bernard. The obvious reason, yeah, yes, yes. obvious reason. But also, you know, part of my life in real life is lots of travel and events and meeting people and experiences and all this stuff, which are not possible. But at the heart of that, and I think what really gets me is the serendipity and these unexpected yes. moments. And yes. so now this is possible again. This is yeah. possible again, at the clubhouse where you have these unexpected connections and meeting people that you wouldn't have ever met in real life, or you wouldn't have expected to at least. And it's really special. And then of course I'm learning a lot. And I'm one of the things that drives me in general is connecting people. I love bringing great people together. And I usually host these awesome women's dinner parties and stuff. You'll have to come to the next one. I can't wait. I'm coming. And, it's just challenging because I haven't been able to even tap into that part of myself. So I'm going to launch my own podcast. Actually, it's a, a topic that I'm not revealing yet, but it's about love. So I will look forward to talking to you more about that.
0: Oh my God. Um, I'll have you on again when you launch. I'm Amazing. Done. Thank you. I'm oh excited. I'm excited. I can interview you on the podcast too. I will come anytime. Yes, I will. Fantastic. Okay, great. Yes. Well, and I'm also a podcast coach, so feel free to.
1: Oh, we're me, then we I've launched over,
0: I think I've launched now 50 podcasts. Wow. Okay. That's my incredible. So I'm happy Let's to help discuss. you. So, you
1: know. Thank you. I totally appreciate that. Um, and then I also, yeah, I have a couple other creative projects brewing, but I've decided that I have to get the podcast yes. up and running. Get and that first. On. Of course, I'm always still super focused on growing my business and making sure you know it's, my clients are like my children and babies, and I want to make sure they're all good and safe and healthy all the time. So, no matter what, even if I have a million different ideas, I always bring it back to kind of priority number one, which is taking care of my employees and my clients. So, well,
0: let me, let me um, tell and you that's something cool about exciting. this podcast, though. It's going to change what? the The podcast is going to change your life. I've never right. seen that happen. It is. It's a weird thing. I these conversations with women have been such a game changer for me. And when I did, when I launched this, they were saying it's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. All these podcasters were telling me, and I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to have this great thing. No, it hones in everything you believe, everything you want to know about. It It takes all your curiosities, all the things you just were talking about, and rolls it into this perfect ball. And then you look forward to these podcasts as if, like, I know you love dancing. I know you love club. You will look forward to these podcasts. They will become, like, everything to you, like, and your next babies. And you'll get to be, like, your best self. And also, if you interview other people, you're going to meet some incredible people. You're going to be so happy. It's such creative joy. It is. Okay. Okay. Excellent.
1: Well, that was a good pep talk. You're a great interviewer too. So I really, I have to say you obviously figured something out, but I feel very like it's very energizing this conversation for me. So I can, and I feel your energy as a result, but that's a big piece of it. You know, it's like so much of, I think what makes a great podcast is it's a conversation that hasn't happened before. Like my conversation with someone else is not the same as the conversation I'm having with you. 100%. Exactly. And that's my goal with mine for sure is to it go in a direction that people have
0: not gone. So I'm excited about I that. I am so excited and I'm coming on as a guest for sure. Okay, we're going into that's the speed right. round, Amy. Okay. We have this fun time in my podcast. Okay. okay, cocktail of choice. Manhattan up and sweet. First ever response.
1: First ever that response, ever. That's what I'm going for. I want to be a first in you every
0: Mantra sure or
1: I'm quote good. you live by. Mantra or quote? Yeah, that you live by my grandfather had so many of them. That's the thing. So it's hard to choose, but he always said things are never as bad or as good as they seem. And it's such a helpful reminder because when things seem really disastrous, it's good to know that, you know what, they're really not as bad as they seem. And, and also humbling and important for us to recognize that even at the best moments, you know what? Life is still life and that's okay. You know, it keeps us more grounded and balanced. And it's just, I think it's an important message.
0: I totally agree. Tell me what does vitality mean to you? Hmm, Energy. Energy. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what, that's the whole source.
1: Boom. It really is. And you know, because I work in the health and wellness space, we talk so much about vitality. And and I think a lot about it in terms of like what actually fuels my energy on a day-to-day basis. And and it could be a meaningful conversation like this. It's certainly my dance classes, it snuggles with Bernard, my dog it's nature, it's, it's yeah. very basic things, but actually important for us all to be very acutely aware of what feeds us so that we can invest more time and energy in those things and less in the things that drain our energy.
0: 100%. What makes you feel unstoppable? You
1: know, failure, truthfully. I think it's all the different moments that I've had challenges or failures and have overcome them that make it super clear that I'm going to be just fine.
0: I mean, you are the first person to say that failure makes them feel unstoppable. Amy Stanton, you are are a gold human being, gold. I'm telling you. I love that though, because it's true. Because I think failure really has a horrible connotation. And I think if more women would, Abby Wambach that failure situation and say to themselves, okay, do you know how many men and they just keep going all the time? Like, why are we kicking our own asses? Men fail up and down the street a hundred times. They're like, you know what? Now I'm going to run for president. Now I'm gonna go be the head of this company. They don't care. They fail. Who cares? We are like, oh my God, I didn't get it. I don't know what's happening with me. I mean, come on. Like, we just need to get over
1: it. So true. It's um, so true. And honestly, it's it's really is overcoming those challenging situations that makes us stronger, makes us resilient, makes us clear we're okay. You know, it's like yes. without
0: those moments, we're just be, I don't know. How would how would we grow? A hundred percent. Tell me, what are you most proud of?
1: I'm most proud of my the relationships that I've cultivated, and it really starts with my family. But just feeling like I'm constantly feeding that, it obviously feeds me. But that I've I really, I feel a lot of sort of strength, and and it's a power source for me on so many levels, and can be draining as families are. But but more than anything, and and relationships with all my friends and and the people that I like, I've really. I care so deeply about people. And so I'm proud of these long-term relationships and even new friendships, honestly, that feel like long-term relationships, but it, it's definitely the biggest source of joy for me. And I haven't met my Prince charming yet. So in the meantime, like all those other relationships matter even more. And, and I, I for example, one of my dearest friends, Sheila, who is on our, our huge text, mass text. Yes. Um, Sheila lives two doors down from me and is someone that literally I can call on for anything at any point in time. And she certainly knows the same for me. And she's been through a lot and I've been through a lot and whether it's coming to clean up a dead rat that's in my yard or whether it's, <laughs> I've, <laughs>
0: whether had that. it's I've had that too, by the way,
1: I, because I don't have my guy right, right. at the moment. No. I need Sheila to handle that. And I can't, I cannot, but she does take care of those things. And I mean, she's the first person to literally come over this morning after the burglary. So it's you like- You gotta humanized. have her on your podcast. Of course.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. I want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You should have her on your podcast too, by I mean, the way. I'm working through that group chat. I told you, I'm working through it. <laughs> There's only 20 people on there. I'm trying to get through them all. Oh, it's a lot. It's a yeah, lot. I'm getting them all on. They're all coming on. Yeah. I love it though, yeah. but that's, you know what, that is true. It's, it's having these relationships. I mean, especially in this time where we are, like you're saying, we're not traveling, we're not experiencing, we're not, you know, then what are you relying on? Relationships, deep, deep relationships. You know, that's what we need. Um, what's exciting you the most right now? Clubhouse. Yes.
1: I mean, it's embarrassing maybe that an app could get me this fired up, but it's true. I totally, no shame.
0: I totally agree with you. And I, I think, you know, a lot of people there's, listen, I I've been in the, social media, marketing, all this game for a long damn time. And when Periscope came, I was like, no, thanks. <laughs> like there's been things that have come and I've been like, no, this is one of the- I remember when Twitter started and I said, okay, I'm getting on. And people were like, what is this? It's horrible. It's a tweet. It's a bird. Like they thought it was so stupid. I said, you know, it's happening. And then when I saw this, everyone's like, what do you think of this? I'm like, this is here to stay. I can tell just by the way it's being run and what the concept is, that this is something people really, really, really need. And I think this is the tip of the iceberg about what it really can be. But I agree with you. I'm excited as hell. Well, you got me excited about Clubhouse. It's your fault. <laughs> I didn't even Great. care about it that much until you. Yeah, good. It's you ambassador of Clubhouse Clubhouse. Oh my gosh, such an honor. <laughs> I'll have to introduce you to Tammy Pickle, best name in the world. Um, who is a matchmaker, who was just on my podcast. So maybe you need to have a little combo with Tammy Pickle. Yes, please. She's Great. only been I'll matchmaking for Pickle. 22 years. I mean, just knows a little thing about it.
1: Well, if she can get this one matched, she can She can probably retire. Be like, I have achieved the, uh, the unimaginable.
0: She made her first match at the age of 13. Wow. that, that is was, starting. That early. was her mother. She picked her own stepfather. Oh, that's so cute. She's I love that. Dolly. You'll love her. So I'll hook you up with her. But anyway, Amy, thank you for coming on this podcast. You are like so much fun. And I am going to continue to stalk you on Clubhouse. Thank
1: you, Liz. It's a huge treat. You are a fantastic interviewer. I really mean that. And I am. it's my honor to be on your podcast. Thank you.
0: Oh my gosh. Well, I can't wait for yours. You'll have to tell me everything so I can put it in the show notes and like, you know, and I'll put everything in the show notes, how to follow her on Clubhouse, maybe even how to use Clubhouse. Cause God knows some people are listening to this like Liz, I cannot, I barely can listen to your podcast. Please. You saw
1: my article, right?
0: Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. So all put, right, I'll yeah, put, yeah. I was talk, I'll great. put all your thing I'll put I'll put your gold nuggets all in the show notes for everybody. Okay. All right, Amy. I love you to death. Okay, thank you for joining Perfect. me today. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek And remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. Bye.